All right, so last week we spoke about um, the source of the phrase. Well, we've been talking about this phrasing and in particular this sort of not just one term, but the sort of longer clause of, <coughs> excuse me. Do I have what? The sitter. I oh, not over here. Ha ha. Of Kale Elyon, Hashem is almighty on high. Gomel chasadim tovim. And then there's these three parts. He does good chasadim. The kone hakol. And owns everything. Vizocher chaste avos. And recalls the chesed of our forefathers. So we spoke about the idea that Kale Elyon, that this term Kale Elyon is um, a term that shame used and handed to Avram. And Avram takes it and he takes this bracha and hands it to Yitzchak and Yitzchak to Yaakov and Yaakov to Moshe. <coughs> Excuse me. And this idea of, of taking the bracha and handing it on. And in this bracha as well, which is the bracha of Avos, sort of receiving the bracha from our forefathers, but not, it shouldn't stop there. It should always turn around and then be handed on and continue that bracha. And furthermore, there was the reaction of Avraham, which I had in this handout of the Kale Elyon handout, where we see that when, when shame, also known as Malkitzedek, says, Baruch Avram lekel Elyon kone shamayim va'aretz. Blessed is Avram to God on high who owns heaven and earth. <coughs> so this is the Kale Elyon, the kone hakol. I saw different discussions as to why, um, why Chazal in, not Chazal really, Anshe Knesset Sagdoa, I'm not sure they're included in Chazal. I think they really are before that. Um, why they said Kone Hakol and not Kone Shemaim Va'aretz, which is clearly the source phrase and in fact shows up. So in Magin Avos, which is the um, abridged version of Shemona Esrei for Friday nights instead of a Chazara Shashatz, uh, we, say, we say Kone Shemaim Va'aretz. We do say it as it's here. So I, I don't know the answer. I just saw that it is discussed. It's kind of interesting, like why that would have changed over here. <coughs> but then it continues. Malchitzedek says, Blessed is Hashem on high, who has handed your enemies into your hand. And Avram gave him meiser from everything. And it's all one verse. It's this kind of, it, it, it's, it's an, clearly an immediate reaction to what was said. Okay, so we, did, we, we didn't really touch on that too much as to why that would be the reaction, the meisering. Um, but clearly it's a reaction to this kone shemayim va'aretz, to this idea of Hashem uh, owns everything. And over here we see that it's somehow continuing. Right, we have the same idea here. Keel elyon, gomel chazadim tomim v'kone hakol, v'zocher chazdeyavos. Okay. So that's where I want to continue. There is, there is a reaction to recognizing that everything belongs to Hashem. 
When you see everything in the world, and we did, we did touch on this, we did begin this idea. When you see that everything is really Hashem's, then the reaction is to use it for Him, to, to say whatever I happen to have my hands on, or is in my hands, so to speak, is really God's. Therefore, I have to turn around and look for where it was meant for me to deliver it, to deliver His blessing to. How was he meant for me to use? How did he mean for me to use it? If he handed it to me, there's a purpose. If there's a purpose for it, then I have to look around and find the purpose. And step one toward that is the idea of Meiser, which we have seen before. Um, Rav, Hirsch, <coughs> Rav Hirsch describes it. Now here's an example of it. He who brings the first and the best, right? This is the, the definition of Meiser, of Bikurim, of Truma, which are all the same basic idea, right? Tithing, which is the Meiser, Truma, which is a smaller, like Meiser, that's for the Kohen, and Bikurim, bringing the first fruits. All of these are this concept. He who brings the first and the best places his relationship to God and the godly in the foreground, for him, this relationship is the first and most important, to which all the rest of his life is only accessory. More, I think it's not just more than that. This, the, the corollary of that is, offering the first is always taken in the Torah as representative dedication of all the rest. When you give the first bit to Hashem, you don't use it at all for yourself, and that's done purely, then that is number one, what you do naturally when your relationship with Hashem is first and foremost, and everything else is an accessory to it. And what, what you have done is made, the de you've dedicated all. So by giving your 1% or your 10% or the first of it, right, because Bikurim may not be near 1%, it's just the first bunch of grapes. You may have miles and miles of vineyards. Right? There's no... Bikurim is one of those things that ain't lahem shior. There's no minimum amount. Right? You just bring the first. I don't know if you could bring one grape. Maybe. I don't know. Probably one pomegranate. I mean, just the first one. It's like the challah you take from You take the challah. But challah, there's... I mean, technically, there's there is a, a shear. Right. We, we tend to give the minimum or just more than that since it's not going to be eaten. If we were giving to Kohanim, we probably wouldn't give them like... A bite of challah, right? You'd give them something at least to make a roll. I mean, something of substance. But if it's not going to get to the Kohen, then you want to give enough just to keep the mitzvah, but not, not waste any more than that, right? But it's the first. And what that does is it dedicates the whole. It's just that the way that you dedicate the rest of it might not be by handing it to the Kohen. Okay, now it's interesting. Malkitzedek is described here as Kohen Lekeel Elyon. Okay, a Kohen, one of the definitions of a Kohen, um, well, I shouldn't have said that because I don't have the right words for a definition. But one way to think about a Kohen is um, the, the pass-through door between us and God. Now, we relate directly to God, but when it comes to handing the physical, to dedicating the physical, we hand it to a Kohen, so, I don't know, do you still have the handouts, or do you want me to pull them out again? Um, on the back, oh no, I didn't put it on this one, I'm sorry. Sorry, 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 I have a different handout. 
talking about this right now. Um, next hand. Here, I'll, I'll just take this now. Even though. Okay, so here on the back side, <coughs> this is the passage about Bikurim. So when you come into the land and you inherit it, and you take the first of the fruit that will grow in the land Hashem will give you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place Hashem has chosen to rest his, <coughs> his name there, Uvasa el ha-Kohen, come to the Kohen. V'lokach ha-Kohen ha-Tenem the Kohen will take the basket from your hand and place it before the Mizbeach for God. Right? This is, this is consistent. This idea, okay, so this is really something for this moment, this um, handout, but that passage is relevant. The concept of the Bikurim, and what do you do with it? You give it to a Kohen. A Kohen is the one where you hand the physical to dedicate it to Hashem, and also the other way around, a Kohen is a source of bracha for us. Hashem, so to speak, puts it in their hands, right? The Kohanim raise their hand to give us the bracha, and they open them to form a window. They form, well, Mrs. Khan knows this better than we do, right? <laughs> the Kohanim put their hands together and leave openings to form cracks or windows for God's blessing to come through their hands to the Jewish people. It's not the Kohanim blessing us, it's Hashem blessing us through the Kohanim's hands. And the same way, when we want to give, that's bracha, when it's bikurim, which is the same letters of the root, beis chaf reish, beis reish chaf, we put that into the Kohen's hands to give to God, right? There is this kind of aspect of being a Kohen that is being the, the mediation point between the physical and the spiritual, so to speak, in terms of this idea specifically of God giving bracha to us and us receiving it and then turning and dedicating that fully back to Hashem. But the way we dedicate it fully to Hashem is not by giving everything to Hashem. It's by giving the first or the best to Hashem directly. The rest of it we dedicate fully to Hashem too. But we might eat some of it. We might understand that part of the purpose of this food was to provide energy for our bodies in order that we could do the mitzvos, learn Torah. Some of it we will give to poor people. Some of it we will turn into wine and use for Kiddush. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we're going to serve Hashem with what we have. But it all begins with, number one, taking some of it, the first or the best, or both, <laughs> ideally the first, which is the best, and first handing that to Hashem. And that's typically the role of a Kohen, which is why the Bechor, same word, Bechor and Bracha, Bechor, why a Bechor is essentially a Kohen. That's the role of a Bechor, right? Back to Rehersh here. This is all, by the way, in his various parts of his commentary regarding Kayan and Hevel. Okay, you might think of Kayan as the first Bechor. I mean, we're not counting, let's say not counting Adam, okay, because he was just the only child. <coughs> Okay, it was meant to be otherwise. The Bechor was appointed to be the bearer of the material and spiritual representation of the family home. That's, the, that's what a Bechor is for. And when the Bechors, as a generation in the desert, are not worthy of that, it gets handed to part of tribe, the tribe of Levi, of Levi, and they are 
call Kohanim. Okay, we don't happen to call them Bechorim. Call them Kohanim, but that's the role. That's what it is, is Kehuna. Okay. So, not exactly a tangent. Slightly. Let me see if this is... I'm sorry, I can't remember what I put on which sheet. Rashi says, Vayitain Avram is Yitzchak. Avram came, gave everything of his to Yitzchak. Rashi didn't say that. It's a puzzle. Gracious, Chafe. All right. Rashi, that Avram gave everything of his to Yitzchak. That's the bracha that he gave. That's continuing the bracha what Hashem gave him. So Rashi quotes the Gracious Rabbah, Amar Rabbi Nechemia. This was an, an ancient bracha that Avraham gave to Yitzchak. She'amr lo ha-kadosh baruch Avraham, that Hashem had said to Avraham, veheye bracha, you shall be a blessing, which he defines as ha-brachos mesuros biyadecha. What does it mean that you are a blessing? It means bracha is in your hands, has been handed over into your hand to distribute. Levarech es mi for you to bless whom you wish. And Avraham gave that over. That blessing of Veheye Bracha, of being the one who holds blessing, he gave to Yitzchak. You see how this is, this is really the concept of Kehuna he's handing over to him. Or of Bechara, however you wish to think of it. And then there's, of course, an issue when it gets down to Yitzchak's sons. Who's going to have that handed to them? Is it Esav the oldest? Or not? Okay, that's where we, and this is why, of course, Yitzchak was so blown, um, Yaakov was so blown away when he realized that Esav was not going to, not going to pull his weight. Okay. Stick that there. So, there is a process that's starting to gel here, which is, Hashem is Kael Elyon, he is God on high. Gomel chasadim tovin. We recognize Hashem's true chesed in everything. Vekone hakol. Recognize it's, it's all a gift from him, but it's all really his. Vezocher chaste avos. Then there's an action of chesed that's attributed to people, in this case the avos, right? This is the, the giving, the doing, the responding and turning it back around. Tzedakah, meiser, truma. That, that pasal, it is all from your hand, from your own hand we are giving to you, is what we say to Hashem. All right. So now I want to read you a little piece that I miraculously found in the shla. I can't understand a lot of shla, which is, which is just fine. <laughs> but when you do understand the shla, he's just a joy to read. I mean, when he's writing sort of more in the pshat, it's like... I don't know even how to explain. It's almost a, he has a very interesting voice in his writing. It's really nice. Okay. There is a principle of the concept of avos, forefathers, which is an improving of the created world through bracha, adding to the world by giving it bracha or passing along bracha. What does that mean? I'm not exactly sure. But he says, this is the quality of Kohen Levi Yisrael. Hmm. Now, what, again, I don't know exactly what the shla means here, but I can at least relate it to other things we've learned about this concept of kahuna, 
of Yisrael, of how there's, okay. Now there's something else about Kohen Levi Yisrael, which I don't think he said in this passage, <coughs> I saw elsewhere in Shla, which is Levi is, you might say, a miser of the Jewish people, meaning the tribe, right? Not that it's exactly one-tenth, but this concept of a right, approximation, like this, this portion that's taken off and dedicated to Hashem. And Kohen is the truma of the miser. Okay, so when you give miser from your fruits and vegetables to a levy, you also give a little percent to a Kohen, right? The levy also gives a percent to a Kohen. So it's, it's the miser of the miser. The Kohen is the miser of the levy, which is the miser of the Jewish people. It becomes a helpful way to think about it, even if we don't fully understand. There's some very deep, deep spiritual things happening here. This is the, the Midas, the, the, that quality of Kohen Levi Yisrael, is the foundation of Miser and Truma. It's the same concept. He says that concept is a concept of Bracha, which is associated with 10. That's, I think we've talked about that a few times. The idea of 10 is like the 10 spheres, like all of Hashem's Bracha and how it comes to the world. What, I mean, this, you didn't hear from me, probably Rabbi Tatz or something, right? <coughs> Unfolding in three stages is the Kohen Levi Yisrael, idea of Truma, Miser, and then the whole of the produce. There's a concept of bracha being staged and how we give it back as well. I mean, this is a two-directional street that works in stages. This also corresponds to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. This veheye bracha, you will be a bracha. And this also gets passed down in three stages in order to fully come into the world. He says, but you should know that the idea, the foundational idea of Maisros and the foundational, foundational idea of brachos, it all leads to one place. Meaning these are the same idea. These are two sides of the same coin. Maiser and bracha are two sides of the same coin. When it's coming from Hashem to us, we would call it bracha. When it's us to Hashem, we would call it miser. Or bikurim, or, right? Truma. This is the same idea. Okay, now I just want to touch on an idea. I'm going to read this to you from here, but I think that it's also something that helps inform us about this miser idea, and I'll show you why it's relevant. <coughs> The Shlach quotes Chazal, who say, There are three gifts which are only given to a person by means of Yisurim, of difficulty. These are blessings that you get, but only through some kind of difficulty, hard work, stress. Hem Yisurim shall Ahava, but you should know that they're Yisurim of Ahava, of love. Okay, this is part of a larger discussion of different reasons for Yisurim, why people have suffering. And suffering can be big, and we know suffering can be small, right? Because I'll say a person puts his hand in his pocket for a quarter and pulls out a dime and has to go back and pull out another one. That's also Yisurim. When things don't go smoothly the way they could, that's also Yisurim. Also, real pain and suffering can be Yisurim. Okay. This kind of Yisurim, through which these three gifts are given, those are Yisurim of love. Not punishment, not anger, it's love. 
What are those things? And why? Why are they given with love? Because Yisurim purify all blemishes. Yisurim are the bleach in the laundry. What are those three things? The three things that are given with Yisurim are Torah, Eretz Yisrael, and Olam Haba. All of them come through Yisurim. And those three holy things cannot tolerate blemish. They have to be absolutely pure. Eretz Yisrael, right? Eretz Yisrael will vomit out people who are immoral. It cannot, it will not tolerate immorality. It won't tolerate a lack of Kedusha. Torah also, Olam Haba also. Therefore, we only receive them with Yisurim, and that is love. In order that we should be able to get the bracha of those things, we receive them with Yisurim because the Yisurim erase the blemishes. We're not perfect, so the only way we could receive those gifts is if we're sort of temporarily perfect. We've been bleached, and we can get it. He says, this explains... I would not quote this last little sentence here, except that we did study a little bit this passage in the Gemara. That Gemara about the Jewish people in the future will say to Yitzchak, you are our father. Funny how often that comes up. He says that's hard to understand at first. I mean, Yitzchak is Midas Hadin. You wouldn't normally, right? We talked about this. Like, why would that be the source of the greatest Rachamim? He's Din. That doesn't seem to fit. When I, you write, Hashem goes to Avraham, and Avraham can't find a way to take us out of the state of Din. Yaakov doesn't seem to have an answer for that. So why, Yitz, why Yitzchak, who's Din? He says, because the depth of Din, when, when justice is truly just, that is what causes a state of moving to the greatest Rachamim. Just to rewind a second, He's, he's extending this, he, he's stating this after his description of the Yisurim of Ahava, meaning when there's a blessing that's so great and so perfect, those three things can't tolerate a blemish. So how will you ever merit them? How will you have Torah or Eretz Yisrael or Olam Haba? The answer is, because I'll, I'll give it to you together with Yisurim. So as you're acquiring it, at the same time you're being cleansed from the sins. So it's the din itself that brings us to the Rachamim. This is, I don't pretend to fully have any grasp of what this is saying, but even just to have a, a little introduction to that idea, it's very powerful. Okay. And all of this relates to Meiser Truma Bechora. And I think that Rav Hirsch indicates that. He, Rav Hirsch talks about, I think we talked about it this year in Bracious, right? This, um, Rav Hirsch points out that all the Bechors, okay? It's like you've got Ruvain, Kayin, Esav, all the Bechors in the wilderness, all lose it. <coughs> they don't end up keeping it. He says, because... Sorry. Because the Bechor 
needs to have no other owner than God, has to be the most priestly, the most absorbed in and devoted to God. They have to be the truma. They have to be the miser. And it has to be pretty perfect. If not, it's just not tolerated. It's really all or nothing. And so Cain, he does bring a korban, but there's a self-interest in there somehow. It isn't fully dedicated to Hashem because he gives the worst of it. That completely invalidates him from being a Bechor. The Bechorah requires this kind of perfect dedication, and from there, then it spreads out to the rest of it all. The rest of it also becomes dedicated, even if you enjoy some of it yourself, and even if that's okay. But in the, in the small dedication, in the Truma, in the Miser, in the Bechorah, in the Bikurim, there it has to be kind of perfect. It can't tolerate that. And he says that that correction only really comes back around in the Messianic era. This seems to be a result of hate. The fact that we are imperfect makes it that the Bechors, essentially, there's like this sort of built-in problem then with being a Bechor. It doesn't come, it doesn't seem to like play out because the Bechor is supposed to be also the material provider for the family and also the spiritual provider for the family. And being able to be fully involved in the material world without blemishing your involvement in the spiritual world no longer really flies very well. Well, it would, but we're not very good at it anymore. We're really not good at it anymore. But even then, that got damaged. The full use of the physical, fully in service of the spiritual, and that has to end up getting split. Which is why Yaakov and Esau themselves originally thought this is going to be split up between us. One can really dedicate to the physical, one to the spiritual, and together we're a team, we're twins. We'll make one whole. In the end, Yaakov had to try and do it all, and that's very difficult. Okay, so, sorry. No, we want to move on here. The Heye Bracha. You will be a Bracha. And Rashi says, you will be the one I give the Bracha over into your hands. Sifse Chachamim, quoting Maharshal, comments on Rashi. The Heye, you will be a Bracha. That's the letters of Hashem's name. The Heye. It's Vav and Hey and Yod and Hey. <coughs> the name of God will be attached through you when we say Baruch to Hashem, Magain Avraham. We describe Hashem as the shield of Avraham. This is the fulfillment of the Heye Bracha. Okay, this is going to come back around in, probably in two weeks, so I'm going to leave it for the moment. The necessity of recognizing that Hashem owns everything. It's all really His. This is what allows us to appreciate that there is good in the world. It's what allows us to appreciate that even that which doesn't at first appear to be good is really good. Because when we realize that everything is really from Hashem, everything belongs to Him, everything is under His control, then we're able to recognize that it's all really chesed. And this, um, this is something which... <coughs> I, I think it's on... Is that the sheet I just gave you with the Bikurim? So on the back side of that sheet, this is something we talked about on Simchas Torah, so it'll sound pretty familiar, and then I mentioned it again just last week because I had an update on it. <coughs> Sorry. 
The Torah ends with All of the mighty hand and all of the great awesomeness which Moshe performed for God before the eyes of all of Israel. So the last word of the Torah is Yisrael. The first word of the Torah is Bereshis in the beginning. Bereshis Barlokim Esashamayim Vesa'aretz. And the Kleyakar, that's source one, source two. The Kleyakar, which is source three over here, says, Why does the Torah begin with a Bez and end with a Lamed? He says, because Bez and Lamed are the two letters that you can add Hashem's name to it, and what you get to is an entire word. Remember this? A full word. So you have... Um, B, ba, bo, which means it is in him, it is, or it is in her, or it is in me. <laughs> is he? Lamed, li, la, lo. It belongs to him, it belongs to her, it belongs to me. And those two ideas remind us that la Hashem ha'aretz umloa teva v'yoshreva, that to God is the entire universe, and all things within it, everybody who lives within it. Everything depends upon Hashem. So from the beginning of the Torah through to the end of the Torah, the Torah is telling us from beginning to end, the purpose is to recognize that everything belongs to Hashem and everything depends upon Hashem. We, we said it at the time because it was around Sukkot and in Kohelas, right? Sof tavar hakol nishma, at the end of it all, when you heard it all, eshalo came you out. You should both see and fear God, right? The connection between seeing and having awe. That's what we're all here for. In the end, that's what we're really all here for is that recognition that everything is, a, is from Hashem. Everything depends on Hashem. And you remember the Chassam Sofer pointed out, which I brought in Dalid, before the eyes of all of Israel, if you take the last word of the Torah, Yisrael, and you compare it to the first word of the Torah, which is Bereshis, they have four letters that are the same, which are the letters of Ashrei. It's very cool. Yeah. You weren't here on Simchastar. Not yet. <laughs> okay. Ashrei, which is that which is very beloved, right? Fortunate, a person feeling fortunate. Ashrei Yoshrei Vesecha Od Sela. Ashrei Ha'am Shekachalo. Fortunate is a person that this is a life. And the letters that are left over spell Libas, which I didn't understand this reference at all that he made, and I went back to it again, and I see more now, because I saw that that was the, the first revelation of Hashem. Tamosha is introduced with a malach appeared belibas, right, in the heart of the fire in the sneh. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the libas, okay? And that's clearly what he's referring to because he says it's libas, those are the letters left over, because it lives in the heart of a person, haboer, that burns with the flame of God. That is the holy Torah. It, then God wants the heart. I mean, this clearly he's referring to that libas. I just didn't know it then because, but I came across it after, so it helps put a little bit more together, okay? And we also noticed, which is not written here, that the letters of Libas are also the word of Tevel, which is what the Kliyaka kind of hinted to, that we're remembering, Lashem Ha'aretzum Loa, Tevel Ve'yoshreva, the universe and everything in it, right? It's Ashrei, Ashrei, Tevel. Everything is God's. Everything depends upon Hashem.
Oh, yes. Yeah, See, I included that puzzle here because I just make new source sheets. Haha, uh -huh. that's number five. <coughs> okay. Which tells us that the outcome of the recognition that everything is from Hashem and everything is dependent on Hashem and everything is Hashem's chesed leads to Ashrei. Ashrecha v'tovlach. Ashrecha is an olam hazeh. Happiness in this world. You have a happiness in this world because you recognize that it's all really good. <coughs> tovlach is an olam haba. This is the outcome, the ashrecha and tovlach. And look what we have here. Kel yon. Gomel chasodim tovim vekone hakol. Hashem does chesed, and it's not just chesed, it's good chesed. It's all good. It's all really good. It is all Hashem. These ideas have to go together. It's that recognition. Kone hakol and gomel chasadim tovim really go together. It's being able to recognize Hashem does good chesed that lets us recognize kone hakol. I mean, they, these are the same... Not the same idea, but one leads to the other. They feed back and forth. Okay, so now what I want to do, we're going to come back to Kone Hakol in order. That this was more, because um, I'm tight, this was more to, to look at that in terms of the Kale Elyon and the grouping following it. Now I want to just parse them a little more closely, each one separately. So Gomel Chasadim Tovim. Some of these ideas we've heard before because... At the end of Brachos, in the Hirat zone, you have Hagomel Chasadim Tovim Lamo Yisrael. So I confess to stealing from my own notes, but there are some new things here too. You might have forgotten something in three years, you never know. I, I certainly had caught it. I have the notebooks, so <coughs> I can go back. Okay, Chasadim Tovim. Why would we say Chasadim Tovim? Good Chesed. Okay, now, I think already you all have, like, principles that you would apply that we've learned before that you would say, okay, well, we know this about chesed, we know this about tov, right? So we have principles to apply. But let's just take a fresh look. Chasadim tovim? Why isn't it enough to say Hashem is gomel chasadim? Is it for me to judge that they're tovim? Obviously they're good. If it's Hashem's chesed, what else would it be? So what is the meaning of chasadim tovim? So the prima Godim says, yeah, and are we going to say that there are chasadim that aren't tovim? No, but there are chasadim that do not appear to be good. There are things that are Hashem, everything is Hashem's chesed to us, but there are definitely things that we experience that we do not realize they are good, or we do not feel that they are good, at least at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Eventually we discover that they're good. Mm -hmm. So when we're asking for chasadim tovim, we're saying things which are chesed and tov in nigla and in ister, meaning hidden and revealed, that we can see on every level. We don't want something to be good only on the outside. That's awful, right? Mm -hmm. That's terrible. If it's good for us only because it feels good and it turns out to be horrible for us, rocks us away from the inside, no, we don't want that. But it's not so easy when things are good for us, really, but they hurt. Mm -hmm. So chasadim tovim is that which both on the outside and on the inside, the inner truth of it and the external experience of it 
are good. That's chasadim tovim. By the way, with tov, I didn't bring it over here, but we have seen the Ramban in Bereshis. Right? It helps to it helps to have this definition of tov in the background. Okay. Oh, conveniently marked. <coughs> the Ramban on Vayara Lokim es Haorki Tov. God saw the light and it was good. Tov Sherotza Bekiyumo Laad. So what is good in Torah? What does it mean when the, when something is tov? It is that which is God's will that it should continue or persist or exist forever. That those things that are God's will that they should be forever are described as tov. So the first case is vayare lokim es haor ki tov. Right, light is good light is the illumination of when we illuminate that things are God's will that is goodness that is a revelation of his goodness okay there are things in the world that are not meant to exist forever so those things would not be described as tov because tov is ratza bekiyumo laad he wants it to exist forever you might say a temporary, right? A temporary thing that will get you to the toe. But the temporary thing is not going to be toe. Okay. This is uh, Chesed. This is from the Sefer Baruch Amar of Baruch Epstein. He says, Chesed could be only for a while, only for the hour. Like someone who's let out of jail early, I think is his example. Chasadim tovim, a good chesed, is something that at its root is a chesed. And I, I'm trying to remember, I think, I think what he's saying is a chesed is something that you wouldn't necessarily wish to repeat, but it gives you some relief. He said chesed by itself is nice, it gives you a relief from something. That's why his example is getting out of jail early. You know, go out, get out of jail free card, right? But it's not that, you, you wouldn't think you'd want to be in jail in order to have the pleasure of being let out early. But for someone who is in jail, it is a chesed to be let out free. But when something is a chesed tov, that's something you would wish to have happen again. Meaning the whole experience of it is recognizable as one that you would choose. The whole thing is a chesed. Now, obviously the way we understand is that if we really understood everything we're going through, we would recognize that it's all chesed tov. But I think that's the whole point here. A chesed tov is something we recognize at the time also feels like a chesed. But it's also in and of itself good for us. So we ask Hashem for chesed, that it's, it's an even greater chesed that we're asking for with chesed tov. We're asking for that which is not just freedom from pain, although that also sounds good, but something which is good at its essence. <laughs> he says it's, uh, it's like a, a match set. You know, you have the same concept, hagomel lechayavim tovos. You have a similar idea in the bracha of hagomel, thanking Hashem for being saved. 
Okay, there are four who have to say Hagomel. Those who cross the sea, those who get saved from the wilderness, someone who was sick and got healed, and someone who was in jail and got free. So he says two of them, right? That's the kind of chesed, getting, getting better and getting out of jail. So that's the kind of chesed that you certainly wouldn't want to repeat it. I mean, if you were in the situation, then you appreciate the chesed. But nobody goes around saying, may I please be in jail in order that I could have the joy of being set free from it or escaping it. On the other hand, someone who travels a wilderness or someone who crosses the sea might very well seek to repeat it. That might be their business or they like to go on cruises or you know, they want to visit their family who lives on the other side of the desert. It's not necessarily that it's so bad by itself. And nonetheless, so that would be like the chasadim tovim. It's like an interesting thing. All right. But gomel chasadim tovim. What's, and, and the fact that the word gomel is used with chasadim tovim also sheds light on the depth of chesed tov, of good chesed. So what's gomel? We're used to it, gemilos chasadim. But what's gomel? <coughs> so ligamel is to wean Right? Lehigamel is to wean a child. Nurse them, but it doesn't mean to nurse them, it means to wean them. Okay. There are other examples. Um, almonds. In Bamidbar, when the, the sticks flower and the almonds come out, by Yigmol Shkedim, it means that they ripened. Okay. So the way Rav Schwab describes it, which I'm pretty sure is based on Rav Hirsch, is. Gomel describes the fullest development of a thing. It becomes its, its most developed self it can be. Gemilus chasadim, when you do chesed for someone, you're supposed to be doing it in a way that weans them from chesed. Gemilus chasadim is supposed to be doing something for somebody in a way that helps them become independent and not need help. But that's why the greatest form of chesed is to help someone get their own job and be able to support themselves. That's a better kind of tzedakah. Right? The goal is not to keep people dependent. So gemilus chasadim is giving chesed in such a way that it actually helps the other person become more fully developed. The more fully developed self. So when we ask Hashem for chasadim tovim, or in the case of Shemona Esra, when we recognize that Hashem does for us, chasadim tovim. There are two pieces of this. One is the awareness that the way Hashem does chesed for me is deeply good, and it is developing me into who I can become more fully. That is the greatest chesed. That's, that's the greatest chesed, right? That's very reminiscent of the opening of Mesilas Yasharim where Hashem has created the world to give people chesed. The chesed of closeness with the Shekhinah, which he does not just hand to us, but allows us to earn, that we not be shamed. Isn't that very much that idea of gemilos chesed? He is doing a chesed for us in creating the world and creating us, in such a way that we become more fully developed. That is the deeper chesed than just doing for us. 
much, much, much greater chesed. That's gomel chasadim tovim. Furthermore, Rav Schwab compares this idea when we say tov, like in the bracha of hatov hametiv, which we have in the benching, which I just uploaded two shiurim that are similar to one another. If you heard the both, you hear a lot of repetition. It could be the other one's not up yet. I think it is. <coughs> Excuse me. Keshem shem mevarcham al hatov, mevarcham al hara. Hatov hametiv. Hatov hametiv is a bracha that we say. It's even more than shehachianu. Shehachianu is if something that, that makes a person's heart happy. We were reading this piece of information. And Elishava said to me, you should say Shehachianu on the bookcase. Because I was so happy. I kept coming in and out and saying, oh, look, it's so nice. It was really funny. I was like, you know, you may be right. Like, <laughs> is it really like the Rambam says? It all depends on who you are and what you enjoy. And, you know, for rich people, they might need something nicer to say a Shehachianu. You know, like if, if they get like, I don't know, whatever, like nice paper plates or nice china from the 99 cent store, so someone who's wealthier maybe wouldn't say Shehachianu, but maybe if they get it from Geary's, they would. Like, you know. <laughs> so she says, you should say Shehachianu on a bookcase. <laughs> it was very funny. But Hatova HaMetiv is a bracha that we say when it's not only us who are enjoying it, but others also. So if you get a new car, you say Shehachianu. If you get a new car, it's true. If you get a new car, but it's not only you who's going to enjoy it, but also your spouse, also your children, or there's other people that you give rides to, you would say a bracha hatova hametiv. Okay? So Rav Schwab says when we're asking Hashem to give us chesed, the fullest measure of his chesed will be tovim, meaning it's also for the benefit of others. That's a different insight. Also amazing. Gomel chasadim tovim. Hashem does, but you see how it ties into what we said before about the miser and the dedication and the, right? Gomel chasadim tovim. He does chesed for us that overflows to benefit others. That's how we're supposed to see what we have. To recognize the whole world, bishwili nivra Everything in my world is here for me. But what does it mean that everything is here for me? What does that mean to me? What it means to me is, wow, all of this is here for me to be able to have the bracha in my hand, to be able to dispense God bracha, God's bracha and figure out what he wants me to do with it. It's not me for me. It's for me to serve him. That's why it's in my hand, which is kind of reminiscent in Pirkei Avos, Gimel, Chaviv in Yisrael, Beloved is Israel, that they were given a very cherished tool. It's an even extra measure of affection that Hashem told us he gave us a cherished tool with which the world was created. It's also this idea of chesed tov. It's a chesed, what Hashem does for us. But there is an extra chesed there. It's a chesed tov when we know it. When we recognize that that's a chesed, that's chiba yaseira. That's extra affection. 
Okay, one more piece here. This is from Rabbi Leff's book on Shemona Esrei, which I really can't recommend enough. Kelo yon gomel chasadim tovim vekone hakol vezocher chaste avos. In order to recognize Hashem, who is the ultimate good and the source of all goodness, Kelo yon, the highest supreme power, one must first be able to discern manifestations of his goodness in the world and in one's personal life. And in this respect, Hashem is Gomel Chesed. He created the world to bestow eternal spiritual pleasure on man's soul. And the goodness and kindness that Hashem provides in this world are to bring that original intention of kindness to completion. That gemila, that ripening, that becoming is fully developed. <coughs> This can only be accomplished if man recognizes and acknowledges that good. We have to recognize it. Mm -hmm. So, sort of like the first step in Kael El Yon, then is Gomil Chasadim Tovim. Recognizing it, saying it. That's why we're saying it. We have to say it. We have to look out for it. We have to recognize that Hashem is the source of goodness. We have to look for examples of it in our lives not taking things for granted, not expecting things to be totally satisfactory mm -hmm. to us, to our opinion, not thinking, well, it's coming to me. I deserve it. It should be that way. I forget everything the billboards tell you. <coughs> Nothing is owed to us. It's all chesed. So we need to focus on what we do have and recognizing the chesed. Second of all, is not just focusing on chesed, but that it is good. So that requires having a value system that defines good not as enjoyable, pleasurable, profitable, beneficial in the short term, but rather good means lasting eternal spiritual value. You hear the echoes of the Ramban's definition of good here? Good is that which Hashem wills to be eternal, to last forever. Okay. But you see how Rabbi Leff has now put this into our, we have to understand what the word tov means. That's what good means. Okay, so now he gave us gomel chasadim tovim. Right? Gomel, which is the goodness coming to fruition, ripening in the world, by means of chasadim, that he gives us chesed and are seeing that. And tovim, that we understand what we're seeing, that we understand which things are good and which things are not. So, tov, good, connotes something of substance that is enduring. Oh, and in fact, he quotes the Ramban here. Ki tov means it is able to endure. It is God's will. When a person's outlook includes an understanding of goodness as what is eternally good, that's your definition, his ability to see good even in difficult and seemingly negative situations is intensified. If good is defined as that which is eternally good, then I am much better able to see good even in things that other people might not see as good. In this way, we recognize Hashem through his chasadim, even the seemingly small and insignificant ones, and we recognize that they are chasadim tovim. They are bestowed because they have eternal value, they have an effect on our eternal existence. 
And when we recognize that, that what Hashem has done for me has eternal value, part of that eternal value is the effect it has on me, which will be forever, then Hashem's original intentions become ripened and developed. Gomel chasadim tovim. We have, it's like we have a role in here. There's, there's a piece that he allows us to fill in, which is the part of recognizing it. Thus God provides the framework for us to exercise our free will and complete his original intention of creation, to bestow ultimate kindness, spiritual pleasure in the world to come. And by doing so, it's as if God weans the individual from dependency on his kindness, as if, and permits him to exercise the only area in which a Jew has control, his free choice to fulfill God's will. That's the weaning. And it's very reminiscent of Rabbi Tatz describes it as a, a three-stage process that we see in a lot of areas in life, which he compares to a parent teaching a baby to walk. First, holding its hands and walking with it and supporting it so that it can feel what walking is like. And when a child is ready to walk, the parent lets go of their hands. So just when they think things are going really well, all of a sudden they fall down. And it's, you know, why did you abandon me? But that's exactly when you're strong enough to stand up and start working on walking by yourself. And you're going to fall down more now, but you know what you're headed for. And eventually when you can walk again, now you're walking and you're not hanging on to the hands. And yet it was those hands that taught you to walk. This is gomel chasadim tovim. This is training, to, training ourselves to recognize Hashem's chesed as hatov hametiv, infinitely good, doing good. And this is, this gomel chasadim tovim is in some ways that pattern that is repeated over and over here, the Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, Gadol Gibor Nora, chesed gvura emes, chesed, first holding hands, right? Givura, a restraining, a holding back. It's din, it doesn't feel, right? And now I'm like natural consequences and I fall down and I fall down and I fall down. But what I get to is emes. Where you get to through the chesed and then the givura is the emes that brings together some, a new reality that required the chesed and the givura to create a new reality. And that is the ultimate chasadim tovim. Okay. So I'm going to stop over here for this week, and um, we'll continue. I have like just one or two more smaller points just to wrap that up, but I don't want to continue now because it's a bit late, and go on to the Kone Hakol on its own. Hashem is owner of all. Next week, in Hashem. They have. I have had a gold feeling coming out of my two teeth. There was no way to get any dentist. I had a whole week left. Of, you couldn't get anybody. Oh. Finally, the lady said that I called. It didn't hurt, but there was something sharp hitting my gums. Oh. And it was, I had sores all over my mouth. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so she said, you know, if it's really terribly serious, I can get somebody. I thought, well, I'll stand up for a while or two on the other side. And eventually, I did get the doctor, and I, and 
he, he helped me, he sent me to really a, a, another specialist because he said he couldn't take care of that. And so that's when I called your husband to check on it. And um, the, the other thing was that, um, that something in my face uh, it turned out to be cancerous. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so um, she took it out, but she put, uh, so she took it out, but then she's going to have to take the stitches. Unfortunately, it comes the day of our shear, so I'm oh. not going to be But uh, all these things, and I was thinking, what I was praying for was that Yola and Anna should come back from New York and the grandmother safe, because they were all sick. Right. Anna was so sick she couldn't even talk. And if they change the date, they have to pay a lot more on the airplane. So they said they're coming regardless. And I was praying and praying that they would be well. Noah was so sick, he was weak. And, and they came home, and the Shabbos I was there, Anna was very sick. She couldn't even talk. And all of a sudden, there was a wedding came that night, uh, the next night. And she said, we're going. And I said, please don't go on. <laughs> the voice came back. She, they all went. And except y'all, he stayed home. And um, and she seems to be well. And I said to myself, all those things that happened to me, that's not what I prayed for. But they came home well. And so I had, uh, and maybe it was for another reason. Maybe it was that I have to know that, uh, that everything isn't good in your life. That you have these things and, and you have to know sometimes they're for the good. You know, and it's just what you were saying. And it kind of woke me up to everything that <laughs> to me. <laughs> you always are teaching us this lesson. From <laughs> <laughs> what you said, it all started to make sense. <laughs> and also I was thinking about what you said about Kohanim. That Joe's uh, mother and father, his father mainly, they never knew they were Kohanim. It was only Joe who find out. And why? Because in Israel, they do the Kohen blessing every day, and he had to go out, stand outside while they're doing the Kohen, because he didn't know he was or he wasn't. <laughs> and that sent him to Europe to find out about the ancestors from way back. He found out, yes, he was a Kohen. Wow. He came back to the yeshiva, and Everybody celebrated. He didn't have to wow. go out. Wow! I never knew that. Discovery. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> wow! So we just have to be very grateful for everything that happens to us, and know that Hashem gives it. You know. What part of Europe did he go back to? Yeah. Which country in Europe did he find the history? Yeah. Where yeah, he had asked all the. Uncles and aunts, and the uncles and grandfathers, everybody, please go and look at the grave sites, because that's what they told him. The yeshiva, all he has to do, something has to be on the grave sites. And the surprising thing that was that they all went to the grave sites. Where was that? In it was in um, Tennessee. Wow. Brownsville, Tennessee. Wow. Brownsville, Tennessee. And they all went. They all went. And just the fact they went, you know, they. That's so nice of them. <laughs> and they found nothing. 
There was nothing there. He reported it. And Mother Shashiva said, you have to go to Europe and find out. And where were they from in Europe? They were from France. And that's why, for instance, um, for instance, uh, Simca's name is Simca Bonham. And they spelled it B-O-N-H-O-M-M-E, which is a French pronunciation. Bonhomme. I never thought of that as a source for the name Bonhomme. Much nicer that way. I like the French way. My husband had to look back then, not my husband, my son. Yeah, had to look back and find out it was B-U-N-I-M in the past. So he did find out it was so Simka's name is Simka Bonham. That's a great story. Change the pronounce, the spelling to B U N I M, yeah. which is the Hebrew. <laughs> what do you know? That's great. Well, you you could see why they would spell it that way. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <coughs> so maybe just Hashem had in mind that he should be the one. Yoel should be the one to find out about all this. Isn't that wonderful? Because the rest for generations back had no idea that they were called Jude's father and no one. Wow. So, and Amazing. Then, uh, Rabbi, uh, <coughs> Rabbi Waxman says, why am I a Cohen and you're not a Cohen? <laughs> because generations back, thousands of years ago, they did not bow to the ego Zahav. Yeah. And the only reason he was saying this so that are that we will not bow yes. before the egos of how when these things come up. <laughs> so I've learned a lot from you. And <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I, I'm afraid I won't be we able to come next week. They okay. have to sew this. Okay. So that <laughs> sounds like a good avoda. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to miss it, but I, I know that uh, the to the lady with me kept saying, can't we have another day? Aww. <laughs> well, you could have afternoons when she's not there. <laughs> so we had 